We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Amen. Amen. Let's do it. Going to the book of Judges. What a book. Chapter 6, we'll read. One verse that is a familiar passage, it has been one of my favorites. The entire story of Gideon has been one of my favorites for many, many years. I've preached it a lot of times. I'm going to just say now, I feel like I had a green light today to use one of 20, 30 biblical characters. And uh, so this is not going to be so much about this particular story. We're just going to use it. to to meet the need for this message. Judges 6 and 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon was under an oak tree in a wine press, threshing wheat, hiding from the enemy, on borrowed property under a borrowed tree. That doesn't sound like a great situation to me. I'll read the story to you here in a few moments, but I want to preach this last service for us here at Life Point Church 2023. The God of the improbable. The God of the improbable. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today. I thank you that your spirit has moved, is moving, and will continue to move. Thank you for a fresh anointing. Thank you for what we've already felt in this place. Thank you for a wonderful 10 o'clock message. Just ask you to move us one more time with your word. We'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the honor and glory. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let's love him one more time. Come on, let's just love him. Maybe lift up your voice and praise him right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but that was a warm jacket. I hope y'all are all right. Now, just go with me here for a little bit. And we're going to read a little bit of the story. And just stay with me. We are going to read 16 verses. We never read that much, but we just need to hear that. And the children of Israel, it's chapter 6, verse 1. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. 
For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Orpha that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go, in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites." Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. That's a little bit of reading, but that's a powerful story right there. That's a guy that feels like he's not much. Being spoken to by a God that's everything. And I want to just speak about the God of the improbable. I, I was listening the other day I, I, when I'm on the, the lawnmower or the weed eater or just working whatever uh, around here or at home, wherever it may be. I'll put my, my little bone conductors in and, and uh, uh, listen to the music, you know, and, and uh, listen to whatever. And sometimes I... I scroll through and just try to listen to anybody that's inspirational. And there's some guys I like to hear preach from time to time. And uh, I was scrolling through and there was a guy that I did not recognize his name. His last name is Rutland. He was uh, uh, trying to build up and, and, and tell some folks some things about statistics. Interestingly enough, this morning, uh, Brother Tony wanted to speak to the choir and tell them about his current condition. And right now, the statistics are not in his favor. The statistics. But we're going to preach about the God of the improbable. <laughs> oh, y'all get ready. Brother Tom, Sister Kimberly, so good to see you back home after being at your mother's service in Florida. Aren't we glad they made it back safely? We've been praying for you all. So I hear this guy telling the stats of some stories, and a couple of them just really piqued my interest, and I started uh, studying into them and went to various uh, historical places and, uh, and, and then modern places as well. Uh, and so I want to just share this with you because it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. It's just worth sharing. 
a park ranger at the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. His name was Roy Sullivan. Anybody ever heard the story of Roy Sullivan? Uh, He's a park ranger in the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. And he was struck by lightning seven times while working in the park. Seven times he survived lightning strike in the park. That's, That's pretty incredible. I don't know if it had anything to do with uh, the lightning or, or anything that changed, surely some things had to change and he probably went through a whole lot of PTSD and a lot of stress. I'd have found a job personally, but in any event, uh, after seven strikes, it didn't end so well. In 1983, Roy Sullivan took his own life and uh, it was a tragic ending to so many opportunities. But when they tried to figure what the probability of anyone being struck by lightning is unreal anyway, being struck twice, there used to be a saying that lightning never strikes twice. Well, Roy Sullivan could say lightning strike seven times for him, and it is off of the scope. They could not figure out anything to make any comparables to, so it's just out there. It's the unknown. There, there, there's no way to figure it out. And, and uh, it, it's just not very probable. <laughs> a woman named Ann Hodges in November of 1954 is laying on her couch taking a nap in the great state of Alabama. When a black rock flies through the roof of her house, striking her in the thigh, She survived it. She was injured, but she survived this. She was the first person in history known out of 117 billion people that have walked the earth to be hit by a meteorite. That is a very improbable thing, but they had a way to figure this out. So here's what they've done. They begin to look at the people. They begin to look at the years, how much land mass is covered, where, uh, where a meteor shower would have been coming from, on and on. They went through all the things, all the factors, and here's what they come up with out of 117 billion people. The possibilities could not be any greater than one in not 9,000 people, not 9 million or 9 billion or 900 billion But the possibility of being hit by a meteor rock anywhere in the world, the possibility is one in 9,000 years. Yet right here in Alabama, 1954, taking a nap on the couch, it happened. I'll share another one with you. Husband and wife in Belmont, California, Won two lotteries in the same day. She played. She played the Fantasy Five. This was in 2002. And she won $126,000. He played in the Super Lotto, whatever that one is. And he brought home $17 million. 
The people that make odds say that for a husband and a wife, separate times, separate places, separate lotteries, to each buy a ticket and both win the lottery in the same day is one in 24 trillion. It's highly improbable. Doesn't make you want to rush out and buy a ticket, does it? Now let me ask you about you. How improbable is it that you're sitting here today with everything you've been through? How many opportunities have you had to go another direction? To get mad, to get bitter, to walk away, to be hurt, to be sick, to die, to be destroyed, to have your name tarnished. How many opportunities has the world provided there's a very high probability that people walk away from churches and marriages and families, but the probability of you being in this service right now is one of one. And we serve a God of the improbable. Since you're here, he's going to do something that's somebody needs to hear me. We're going to close out a year and we're going to close it out right. God is fixing to show up on the scene because you are here with a purpose and he is the God of the improbable. World history shows and the study of human population says 109 billion people have lived and died on the earth. World population clock stands today at 8.1 billion officially. Many say there's as many as 11 billion. 8.1 counted live and walk the earth today. This means that approximately 117 billion people have lived on this beautiful planet called earth. And guess what? You're the only you that's sitting in Life Point Church about to hear this message on Sunday morning. I want somebody to hear me that God loved you enough to bring you to church on Sunday morning out of 117 billion possibilities to tell you something looks like it ain't possible, but God is the God of the improbable. Something doesn't look probable, but God is the God that settles the improbable. Your marriage is hurting. Your family's suffering. Your heart is aching. Your children are worried. But God came to do the improbable. Hey, if you want it, you ought, to, you ought to go ahead and plug in right now because God's getting ready to do something in this place. Somebody's going to leave with a miracle. Somebody's going to leave healed. Somebody's going to leave filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the God of the improbable. Can y'all let me give you a little history? You know what I love about Life Point Church? I can start in that corner and I can go to that corner and I see every shade of people from every walk of life. There's still people in our world, in our society that don't like that, but I rebuke that spirit. That's not of God. And heaven may not be your home until you can get around that. I don't like these white folks. I don't like these black folks. I don't like all these Mexicans. I don't like these people. 
Really? In this setting, the ground is level. The playing field is level. The seats are secure and the altars are available. He's not the God of the white man. He's not the God of the black man. He's not the God of the yellow man. He's not the God of the blue man. He's not the God of the man or the woman or the children. He's the God of the improbable. Whoever wants it, so shall he have it. Somebody ought to shout right now with a voice of triumph. We serve the God of the But you know what? It hadn't always been that way. Let me share a little history. By 1900, the spirit-filled churches, the churches that had truth, were completely separated by race. Whites, Hispanics, African-Americans, Asians, everybody had their own group. Nobody went to church together. The enemy had come in so deep on this subject that people couldn't even be family at church. So I'm going to read a little section from Spiritual Awakening Issue. By 1900, southern churches were completely separated by race. I'll tell you when I'm through reading. Now this is me. I read this. I copied it. I pasted it. I brought it to you. By 1900, southern churches were completely separated by race. They'd fallen into a, a state of racial disrepair. It was stated that if every race could get together, it should be in the house of one father, best known as the church. Churches had divided along color line. But in Los Angeles, white bishops... Black workers, men and women, Asians and Mexicans, white professors and black laundry women gathered at a former AME church, now turned livery stable. Oh, come on, somebody hear me. And now cleaned up again and back to church building located on Azusa Street in downtown Los Angeles where this interracial congregation began to worship under the leadership of a black pastor named William J. Seymour. I'm going to mess around here and get excited. For over three years, what historians call the Azusa Street Revival conducted three services a day, seven days a week. Word of the revival was spread abroad through the apostolic faith. A paper that Seymour sent for free to come to 50,000 subscribers. So many missionaries spread the word from Azusa that within two years the movement has spread to over 50 nations. Apart from its interracial congregation, Azusa's most striking characteristic was the practice of speaking in tongues, which was seen as a sign that an individual was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Seymour and his followers spoke in an unknown tongue, understood only by God, a practice widely adopted by Christians who believed it was a sign that God was breaking down barriers, speaking through people, and to spread the gospel around the world. Come on. Seymour had contracted smallpox 
and, was, and it caused him to lose his left eye, giving him a wild eye look. His face would sustain moderate to severe scarring. It's believed that whatever education he had was all self-taught. Most believe until well into his pastorate, he could not read the Bible that he held in every service. Many messages had the preparation help of a secretary named Clara Lum. Later, he'd be able to read his own messages during all of his passionate and fiery sermons. I want to talk to you about the God of the improbable. How improbable is it that when the church is totally divided by the tint of your skin? That a dark-skinned, blind, uneducated, couldn't see much, couldn't read much, would gather together and start preaching a word that would change the entire world to this very day. How probable is that? I'm going to go further because where he left to get to Los Angeles was in the southern state of Louisiana from a town called Centerville. That's about as divided as it gets at times past. I want somebody to hear me that God, the God of the improbable, looked down into man's impossible and said, I'll take a southern dark-skinned William Seymour and I'll plant him right in the middle of somebody that wants a Holy Ghost fire to fall. He may not see well. He may not read well. But the Holy Ghost will begin to move and people be filled with the Holy Ghost and be healed and dance and talk in tongues and worship and exalt and promote the Pentecostal doctrine. How improbable is that? Until God says. Woo. We could talk about a lot of spiritual awakenings. We could talk about a great one in the 1500s, a great one in the 1700s. We could talk about the brothers that sailed over here as priests. And, and, and yeah, it's, just a whole, it's just a whole other story. But let me take you to another day. Acts 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. No Jew, no Greek, no Samaritan, no Hebrew. No fishermen, no doctors, no lawyers, no preachers, no drug dealers, no white, no black, no in between, no young, no old, all in one accord. Let me just tell you something right now. If you got an issue with anybody in the building, you're not in one accord and Pentecost will not visit you. I got three words for you. Get over it. If you're going to go to heaven, you better get over it because heaven 
Zerubbabel. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. Let me ask you this. How probable is it to have in tongues and interpretation the first time the Spirit's poured out, how improbable is it that every single language of the world was recognized there, yet out of 120 that received the Holy Ghost, every single language was spoke and people were preached to only through God and an interpretation of the Holy Ghost. The people that didn't know their language, when they spoke with tongues, they spoke in their language. And they heard, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. How improbable is it to get every language under the heaven in one place for the most explosive day in history. It's the God of the improbable. Watch this. Every language under the heavens representing hundreds of religions and thousands of false gods. Hear that. Hundreds of religions and thousands of false gods would come together and experience, whether they received it or watched it, they experienced the day of Pentecost as the Holy Ghost fell and 120 people began to pour out of an upstairs room speaking in a language that they did not know. The God of the improbable. So your situation's improbable. Eh, she probably won't call today. They probably won't come home today. Probably won't work out today. I probably won't get a good report today. It might be better, but I won't be well. You see, the enemy has a way of getting in our mind and bringing fear and depression, and we start thinking things are impossible. We serve the God that operates in the improbable. See, I couldn't call it the God of the impossible. Because that's not the God we serve. But in our minds, he is the God of the improbable. When can it happen to me? It's one in 9,000 years of humanity possibility. It's one in 24 trillion that two people could receive the lottery in the same day. There's no greater lottery than the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you and your neighbor both play the game today, we know it's not a game and we know you're not playing. But if you'll invest in what's left in this service, I'm going to tell you, two in the same family will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
who from across the building will be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. Somebody will prophesy. Somebody will be healed. Somebody will be delivered if you will submit yourself to the spirit of the God of the improbable. I want everybody that's not ashamed. I want all the former drinkers to stand. It's okay. You know what? History says these are all improbabilities. Some even says they're impossibilities. You see, alcoholism still to this day is the most dangerous drug on the planet. This means that every one of us that are standing, and I'm standing with you, every one of us that are standing are in a column called improbable. Thank you. See, that's hard for some to admit. But see, I noticed I had a daughter standing. See, because when things got tough in her life, and she thought everything was ruined and tarnished. And she turned to something else for a little while. Oh, it was a battle. It was a battle in my house. It was a struggle. It was, it was a, uh, I cast a devil out of her one night. Oh, I'm not playing. I poured my hand full of oil and slapped it on top of that head. And I said, Satan, this is Lindsay Delane Hathcock. She don't belong to you. You can't live here anymore. Somebody hear me. Now she's raising her family in the church. He's the God of the improbable. Somebody ought to hear me right now. Hell has come against you in the last week or two and tried to knock you off a of center and discourage you and make you feel like you're drowning in the events of the world. But we serve a God of the improbable and we ought to make, we ought to make it where he recognizes us today. I could talk to you about a lot more improbabilities. Abraham was an improbability. Jumped out of covenant with God and Sarah. Went to another wife or another concubine or handmaiden. Depends on how you read that. Created the greatest enemies of his people. Ishmael would go on to birth the Arab nations that would still be at war today. And would want every Jew to be wiped off of the planet earth. But I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever looked at a world map. You draw out just a little bit. You won't even see it. But they'll be surrounded by all of their enemies on every side. With militaries with way more people. And far more superior everything. But watch this. The Lord said. Now, I don't want to get in nobody's business right here. I don't know what all's right and what all's wrong, what all's going on over in the I don't know. But here's what I'm going to tell you. The Lord said. And you can get political, you can get a banner, you can go glue yourself to Griffith Avenue. But the Lord said Israel would never lose a war, they'd never lose a battle, and their land would not be taken from them. 
You can be political or you can be Christian. That's what the Christian God said. I can't change it. If we start changing and fiddling, it won't be long. There'll be no holiness. There'll be no standard. There'll be no Holy Ghost. There'll be, there will not be a message to preach or a church to have. Abraham done that. Moses messed up. Murdered a guy in Egypt for 40 years. Ended up working for a guy on the backside of a mountain. He was tongue-tied. The Lord came to him and said, Hey, Moses, what's going on? And he didn't know what was going on. The Lord's talking to him out of a bush. He said, What you got in your hand? He said, I got a stick. I'm not going to try to, try, to, try to make fun of anybody that, that can't speak it right, but it's a fact. He was not a spokesperson. But the Lord spoke to him and he said, You are going to walk right in with that stick and you're going to tell the Egyptian Pharaoh that I said I'm ready for my people to worship and to let them go. He said, Oh, no, 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 no. Not me, Lord. I, I'm, I, 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 and I don't have an army. I've, got a, I've only got a stick. The only person that can understand me is my brother Aaron. And he said, well, you take him with you. He'll speak for you. I'll be the spirit. And you speak to him and he can speak to them. The God of the improbable. A man on the run for murder. Tongue tied with nothing but a stick in his hand. And God said, you're going to set a nation free. Well, that's impossible. We serve the God of the improbable. <laughs> Simon Peter denied the Lord, walked away from the Lord, done all kinds of things. But it was that same Simon Peter that in the book of Acts, when they said, what must we do to be saved? That same Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and unto your children and as many as the Lord our God shall call so shall it be today do you want it do you feel it do you need to be baptized in water the God of the improbable is present Let's get here. Let me show you where we're at. It's New Year's Eve 2023. We're living in a new age. As the guy talked, he said he didn't even realize that what we've been going through, this world pandemic that had its deepest roots in our nation in 2020, he said he didn't even realize that 2020 had become synonymous in the urban language with terrible things. He said he's talking to one guy. This is one of the stories he told. This is one of the ones I jotted down. I want you to hear this. He said he, said he was talking to one guy, and he said the last time I saw him, he had a good-looking woman on his hip. He said this time, I said, hey, man, where's your woman? He said, man, she went 2020 on me. 2020 was so messed up that it's now synonymous with, yeah, 2020 all over again. Listen to this. Listen. Right now, according to every theologian, spiritual, historical people, watch this. 
they say that we are in the darkest time of the world only matched by a couple of years in the 15th century and the last 13 of the 17th century. God trusted you with this moment. He expected you would not drop the ball today. Watch this. The worldwide murder rate is sharply up. This one's going to blow your mind. And this is a fact. When you leave here, go study it. Slavery is at an all-time high. Right now in the history of the world, people are being sold on the market more than at any time in history. In Mexico City, six women disappear every day. Go to their account and read it. One of the most dangerous places for a young woman to live is in certain parts of the city. Watch this. Slavery is at an all-time high. People are for sale on the dark web. There is war or the threat of imminent war on every continent. The rich are building 40 to 60 million dollar underground bunkers to prepare for 2024. This is not a quote, but Mr. Zuckerberg just said something to the effect of we're going to go down underground. We got 10 years of food. We can clean our air. We can pump in enough light, create enough light. We're going to have indoor swimming pools and apartments and shopping complexes, and the rich will survive. And when everything settles, we will restart society. I want to tell all of you something from the front to the back. You won't survive the trumpet sound. You won't survive when the Spirit of God leaves humanity. Nobody on the ground will like one another because evil. Come on, somebody hear me. The only thing holding it together now is the church, is prayer, and the people that have the name and know how to pray. It's the only thing that's holding the world together now. What will it be like when you're gone? We're just now finding our feet under us after a worldwide pandemic that claims 7 million lives immediately. Call it what you want to. Be on some political side, whatever. I'm talking about how many people died. Forget the garbage. 7 million people died. And some estimate that another 14 million will die either from the after effects of the disease itself or the treatment. They believe 21 million people. Do you know that nobody else you know, not your grandpa, not your grandma, nobody else you know has ever survived a world pandemic. But you have. What's the chances that you'd make it through a world pandemic? And people would start the same worry and it would start getting generated in every commercial and every ad and politics and start trying to play aside and a lot of things would be boosted and every sickness would be a dreaded sickness. I'm going to just be square with you. Nobody's had a cold in three years. Everybody's got coronavirus. I'm not doubting it. I almost died twice. My wife lost four family members. We lost three. It's real. I'm not trying to say it's not. Here's what I'm saying. I refuse 
to be reeled in by the fear of something that the God of the improbable. Hey, I'm almost done here now. I refuse to bow down to the fear of the improbable God while he's working in our life. He spared us for a purpose. He spared us for a reason. You're here to hear the message today so that your heart could be tenderized and your soul could be filled and your mind could be changed. The Bible said the very opposite thing of faith is fear. He said without faith it's impossible to please God. I cannot wake up every single morning of my life and be afraid of what I'm going to touch or whose air I'm going to breathe. I know who's got the last say. I know who's got the last laugh. And the God of the impossible has us here right now. I I lost a few but I'm glad I had you earlier. We're just finding our way after that, it seems like. Now listen, the world has lost its moral compass. For the farthest back by historians and scholars and theologians, as far back as the 15th century, we're as low now as only matched by then in the last few years, whatever it was of the 17th century. Watch this. Just let me point out a few things to you. Just whenever you're ready, sister, it won't bother me. People are being sold across the world every day for their body parts. Bringing in perfectly healthy 10 and 15 year old children and parents are openly sending them to this nation and other developed nations around the world where there are many, many, many stories. I read a story here a while back where a man woke up in an apartment complex missing a kidney in a bathtub of blood and an IV drip in an empty apartment. These things are happening, folks. We, we, we can't put our head in the sand and act like it's not happening. It's happening. That's why we got to guard our babies like never before. That's why we got to be prepared like never before. Watch. People are going the full distance in many of our school systems to teach that we can change the very DNA that God gave us at birth. Good is called evil, evil is called good. I just read yesterday my first, it's my first personal experience. I read my first advertisement for self-assisted suicide. Where you can buy a little chamber about seven feet long, cylinder shaped. And you can lay in there and you can seal it off. It's clear on top where you can tell all your loved ones goodbye. And you can click a button and it quickly sucks all of the oxygen out. Fills it with toxic gas. In a few moments you're asleep. In a few more moments you're dead. They're for sale in Europe now. Has there ever been a time when society got together and said, hey, let me tell you what it is. The love of money is the root to all evil. You don't want to lay there for three or four days or weeks with your mouth open, do you? Well, I refuse to let greed and money 
Oh, don't get me started on that. Politics at it again, trying to divide by race and religion. Language. It's happening. They call it identity politics. Everybody plays it. I hate it. It's divisive. It's not of the Lord. It's a sin. I rebuke it. I hate it. Oh, don't get me started. Watch this. 80% of America in the last year has said they're living from week to week. Another smaller percentage say that they're even eating meal to meal. With all the efforts of the homeless population ongoing, that is the quickest growing group of people in our nation the homeless you know why here's why because when your whole city says if you'll come over here to the chamber or wherever we'll give you free heroin needles do you think that really helps a drug user to quit or does that help him say hey maybe I can do it and not end up with a dreadful disease They're making the needles. They're providing the stations. They're paying the nurses. They're housing the homeless. Then they're trying to treat them. And about the time they get well, they offer them another clean needle. Go to San Francisco. Go to Seattle. Oh, that was easy, wasn't it? Go to Dallas. That was easy, wasn't it? Go to Terrell. But the God of the improbable can walk a whole group of homeless nobodies in their own mind in that back door and the Holy Ghost hit them before their feet solid on the carpet. See, some of us have been filled so long we're satisfied into a spiritual trance. Other people would do anything to feel what you're rejecting in this service. The God of the improbable. School systems, many of them are teaching adult education to our seven-year-olds. Teaching and even in some cases encouraging them to go against God's creation order. Saying they can be anything they want to be. And it's called the gender wars. What a world. Barbiturates and benzos are at an all-time high for anxiety, pain, and depression. Never has it been to where the great American economy couldn't support its patients. I've known many people, and I say many, many. The connections I have, many people that needed a hospital and couldn't get a room in the last month. Last night, one of our own, Brother, Brother, Brother Danny Stanton, had to sit in the Forney ER for many hours while they just looked for a room. 
Why? 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 Why are we in a nation where everybody's hand is out? And we promote folks not to go get a job. Stay home. Have more children. Claim you're not married. Get another thousand a month until you're up to about eight. It's called working the system. It's also called lies and sin. But we serve the God of the improbable. She can bring them in here, any race, any color, any shape, any size, and trample all of them right down that aisle. Half undressed, hadn't had a shower in a week. Stink like the south end of a northbound camel. And the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to hear me right now. And the great God of the improbable. Somebody needs to get a burden right now. With numbers higher than ever. The God. I want to make sure I was good right here. Brother Tony's had a great run right here these last year and a half or a little more fighting pancreatic cancer. He's gone back this last week and now his numbers are as high as the chart will read. He's facing a battle. Interestingly enough, I was getting ready to pray with the choir. And he said, Brother Rusty, can I say something to the choir? I just want to know where I'm at. He said, hey, my numbers went from 15,000 to 50,000 to 468,000, which is the highest reading on that particular test. And I just want y'all to know where I'm at so you can pray or whatever. And he, I thought he was going to stop. I was fixing to start praying. He said, but I don't serve a God that's bound by the numbers. Woo! I started to shout. I said, you're preaching my sermon. I'm not bound by the statistics of what the doctor said. Somebody ought to get out of their pew right now and have a little apostolic moment. We don't serve a God that's bound by race and religion and culture and finance and geopolitical ideology. We serve the God of the improbable. He takes it and does something with that. I'm challenging you right now. I'm challenging you. The singers will be coming in just a few moments, not yet. And then we'll be having communion. But I'm wondering, who is it right now? That It's an improbability that you're even here. You've been so bitter and cold towards the church. Mom and daddy done you wrong. Somebody left you. Somebody walked out on you. The system hadn't treated you right. You got head problems, back problems, neck problems, leg problems, brain problems. Liver's failing, kidney's failing. Want to get mad at God and ask him what his deal is? Here's what he wants you to do, God. Though he slay me. Job said as he sat in sackcloth, had a, had a, had a sack over his head and ashes and all of his friends telling him he must have committed some great sin but the Lord God called him perfect and upright when he introduced him to us on the first page he was a man that was found without sin and yet all these things come down on him and the Lord said watch what he does and he said yet I will hold my integrity though he slay me yet I will trust him and in the end, 
tenfold. See, if you can make it through this, what about a tenfold? What about a hundredfold? What about a thousandfold? What about just breaking even from the first, since the first time you were an adult? Economy's at an 85-year low. That's, that's not a Democrat statement. That's not an independent statement. That's not a Republic statement. That's not a libertarian statement. That's a fact. 85-year low. Inflation demands a majority of families to work multiple jobs. Three times in seven days, Missy and I have met some lady. I think if a lady wants to work outside the home, that's wonderful. She wants to get an education and go work. Wants to be rich, an entrepreneur. Great. She ought to have every opportunity I have. But here's what I'm telling you right here. If she wants to stay home with the babies, we used to have the promise that every American would have a turkey or a chicken in the oven and a car in the driveway. We're a long ways from that, folks. Now we got mamas with babies at home that's staying at different places every single day because mama, along with daddy, has picked up a second or third job. Fact, I've met three ladies. My wife present, three different ladies we've met that are working double shifts right now. One in the restaurant business, one in the security business, and one in retail. Trying to help their husband pay the bills I want to make a declaration hear me close right now that the God of the improbable has opened up the windows of heaven for this sanctuary God didn't call me to pastor anybody else unless I'm somebody's e-pastor somewhere and they can't get out and they follow us. And to them it applies. But hear me right now. The windows of heaven are open right now to this congregation. But he will not force his spirit on you. I believe if you want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you could walk to this altar and throw those hands of pride straight up in the air and say, God, I'm tired of living in want. I'm tired of living in need. I'm tired of living and feeling like I'm lost. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of all of my sins. Right my wrongs. As quick as you pray, you'll be forgiven. In just a few moments, if you've never been baptized, we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. And there's a promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The same one William Seymour preached to a diverse congregation. Three times a day, seven days a week for three and a half years. Same Holy Ghost that fell on Azusa Street. God of the improbable is ready to heal the brokenhearted right now. Is there one with a broken heart that would walk to this altar? We'll anoint you with all, pray the prayer of faith, and if you'll believe, you'll leave changed in Jesus' name. I'm waiting on one with a broken heart. Just, just, just something. Thank you, Facebook. We love you. God bless you. We're going to get in our personal time now. Make it to a service soon. Watch. Maybe you feel like you've been sliding.